This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Meet Calvin. Hi. Calvin won 50 bucks off his roommate. That's because Calvin has the iHeartRadio app. iHeartRadio. Which he used to make a pasta song playlist. I'm a genioki. Calvin blasted this on repeat after betting his roommate couldn't complete a four-day juice cleanse. Oh, I can. The song Proper Pappardelle pushed him over the edge. Mm. I love carbs. Good thing Calvin is one of millions with the iHeartRadio app. Download it today and get paid to ruin your roommate's stupid cleanse. Like Calvin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lineup. I'm Dave Prodan, and this is episode 168. Uh, Before we get to today's episode, some housekeeping news. The Lineup has been nominated for two Signal Awards this year, the Best Sports Show and the Best Sports Talk Show. If you're interested in voting, you can go to signalaward.com and vote for the lineup. I think we also have some links in our socials. But a big thank you to producer Miguel Clemente, Jed Pearson, Tim Greenberg, Jason Penning, Dan Willen, Elizabeth Andreessen, Travis Tan, and all the people who support the podcast. That's very cool. And thanks to all of you for listening and voting as well, if you move to do so. The penultimate stop on this year's WSL Challenger Series, the EDP Visla Aracera Pro, is happening this week in Portugal. The WSL Challenger Series determines the men's and women's qualifying classes for the 2024 WSL Championship Tour, and the EDP Visla Aracera Pro is streaming live at World Surf League and the WSL app. Do not miss it. All right, episode 168. Uh, today's guests are people who work at one of the more celebrated companies in the outdoor space. Celebrated not just because of the quality of their products, but also because of the environmental stances it's taken pretty much since its inception in 1973. As the three of us discussed today, the surfing world can be filled with paradoxes. You know, on the one hand, as surfers, we need to have a healthy planet and a healthy ocean to keep doing what we want to do. On the other hand, the products that we want to surf with don't always have the best track record when it comes to sustainability or what's actually healthy for humans that produce them, whether that's surfboards or hard goods or clothing or wetsuits, you name it. On the topic of wetsuits, and although we didn't time it this way, I would encourage you to read uh, Paul Evans's STAB article, The Surprising Link Between Neoprene and the USA's Cancer Alley, which is not behind the paywall right now, which, which just went up last week. It's, it's worth your time. You know, today's guests, they think about this all the time, working in the wetsuit development space for Patagonia where they've just launched a new generation of ULEX regulator wetsuits, which go very well for the record. Uh, We talk about all this and much more in today's episode. Please enjoy the lineups conversation with Patagonia's Mackenzie Warner and Buddy Pendergast. The good old clap take one. That's right. How many of you knew what you wanted to be when you were seven years old? I did, I wanted to be a world champion. Hey, is there honesty involved in this podcast? Can we be honest? You can shut your lips. And then I'll just say, put them up once, let's go. He's like, you look too pretty on the wave. Get ugly. We can talk about DMT if you want. I thought you were boxing. 
All right, we are back, uh, and the seasons, they're changing here in the Northern Hemisphere with summer giving way to autumn, which means for many of us, it is time to dust off our full suits. And that's good timing because today we have two special guests on the pod, Buddy Pendergast and Mackenzie Warner of Patagonia Wetsuits. Buddy, Mackenzie, thanks so much for joining us on the lineup. Yeah, thanks for having us here. This is great. <laughs> yeah, we're excited. Looking forward to the conversation. Right on. Now, buddy, I, I think you've just returned from a repair tour on the east coast of the U.S. Mackenzie, I'm not sure if you were out there, but you guys are both in Ventura today. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yep. We have two different Patagonia campuses in Ventura. So I'm up at our Patagonia Brooks campus and then oh, cool. buddy's down at the main campus. Yeah. We're like satellite neighbors right now calling uh -huh. in. <laughs> right on. Well, and I'd imagine you both spend a bit of time at, at what is called the Forge, which which I had the pleasure of visiting not too long ago. And so maybe, Mackenzie, for the listeners out there, can you explain exactly what the Forge is, what you guys do there, and, and, and how that kind of relates to those other Patagonia operations? Yeah, so up at Brooks Campus, where I am, we have what is called the Forge, which is basically this giant building full of sewing machines and equipment that our, um, essentially all of our factories have. And it's where we do a lot of our prototyping for different garments. We do a lot of material testing there, um, some like ideation and it's just where is I don't know it's a very special place at, at Patagonia it's kind of where all the magic happens that's pretty cool and and I and I wanted to kind of get you to give a little bit of background there because I think the exciting news that's coming uh, out of this conversation is that you guys are in the process of launching a new line of Patagonia wetsuits with a significant amount of, of evolution from the previous lines and the story behind that evolution is really interesting and I think had to do with both the challenges and opportunities that came with you guys having to navigate the the global pandemic of the last few years. Buddy, can you give us just a little bit of background on how, you know, the conditions and the motivation for this new line kind of came to be? Yeah, totally. Um, I think also like just piggybacking, you know, what Mackenzie was leading into with all the work that gets done uh, at Brooks campus, you know, we kind of modeled a lot of the R&D aspects of sort of our traditional garment forge where we do all of our technical design and development and piggybacked a lot of those things to build into what the wetsuit forge is which is like down on main campus which mm. what you got to come and and do a, a quick tour through um and that really has sort of been um ground zero for everything we've been putting into this most recent uh design iteration uh of our ulex suits um what's really interesting about that facility is it's kind of the intersection where um, our entire re repair crew and all of the things that go into our um, repair initiatives behind our wetsuit program and R&D, design, development, prototype building, everything for the wetsuit uh, in terms of the experimental exploratory phase, as well as all of the things happening for repair happens under one roof, um, mm. which is really cool and very unique, I think, for the surf community at large in comparison to maybe how some other um, wetsuit manufacturers like exist in, in their practices and stuff. And it's something that, you know, we're, we're really proud of. Um, and specifically for this wetsuit reiteration, it really kind of was 
the full culmination of all the years of experience we've gained um, since we started the wetsuit repair program over a decade ago mm. um, and sort of, you know, really harness like pouring the gas on the fire, so to speak, for our design and development um, of our suit. So like once everybody came under that roof in the fall of uh, 2020, it really sort of exponentially went off to the races in terms of all the things we were learning, all the things we were seeing and all of the things that we really were excited to kind of like dive into and, and make changes for. Right. And as you said, it's, that's a pretty unique setup in, in the surfing world to have, Hey, everyone that works on repairs, everyone that works on design, everyone works on this particular product is all in one roof. So you're getting kind of feedback in real time as to how the previous line of suits is performing, like what things can be improved upon. And then basically just turning around a new chair and having a real time conversation with the people that are going to produce the, the next line, you know, Mackenzie, if, if you had to kind of outline a few things that you guys noticed in this process between the suits that you had out out in the world and the ones that you then evolved to develop, which are being released now. What were the main things that you noticed that, that you guys made improvements on? I think the two biggest things that we made improvements on were one is the materials that we use to line the wetsuits and then two is the actual construction of the wetsuit. So our previous iteration of the Ulex suit um, used all recycled polyester. Mm. Um, and our new suits now, we switched to a, a solution dyed recycled nylon. So um, both are, are great materials for, you know, any outdoor garment. Um, we decided to switch to the solution dyed recycled nylon because nylon just has a nicer hand feel to it. It's a bit softer um, and it's stretchier. So now our the entire exterior of our wetsuits are uh, solution dyed, recycled nylon, blended with spandex, and then the interior arms and lower legs are uh, 100% nylon. So having nylon in those strategic areas um, allows for, again, just like a more next to skin comfort, but also the fact that the nylons at the entry points of the lower legs and arms allows you to kind of slide into your suit a little easier. Um, and also having the nylon in the arms is allowing it to be a bit more flexible. Um, and then as far as the thermal lining, which would be on the core of the wetsuit, the interior thermal lining, um, we switched from the waffle grid, which was in our old wetsuits, to this new 3D um, camo knit that was inspired by Jerry Lopez. We call mm. it the Jerry camo. And so that's like a just a cool new um, pattern and aesthetic, but it also allowed the suit to become a little lighter just because of the, the knit construction um, is a little bit more varied than the waffle knit used to be. So I think the material update is like a, a huge plus. Um, and then also the construction of the suit. So product development. So Andrew um, and then our designer Garrett worked really hard to redesign the actual wetsuit and the seam placements and um, and thought about, you know, like what the, what the repair team saw in repairs and like what were the the problems, uh, problem spots of the old suits and moved around some seams to create less tension um, and then just improve the overall fit of the suits. Um, and then another big thing is we removed the power seam. 
on the new suit. So that exterior, like, liquid-looking lining that that went over all the seams, um, we removed that. It would always peel off, um, you know, pretty soon after after use in a wetsuit. Um, mm. So I think those are the biggest improvements. But I think just the overall um, comfort, warmth, I think there's just been a lot of uh, work done to improve that. Right, right. And you mentioned, you know, Jerry Lo- the Jerry Lopez camo. And I was going to bring that up, too, because you know, Patagonia, as you pointed out, it, it kind of does things its own way. And it's its group of ambassadors, you know, whether it's um, Jerry or Dan Ross or Dave Rostovich or Greg Long or Ramon Navarro or a number of these kind of high profile but but uniquely positioned surf ambassadors that are on the program. Buddy, how much interaction do they have in the product development when it comes to like a, a wetsuit launch like this? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's funny, like when you hear the when you hear sort of the roll call of all those legends <laughs> in the surf world, it's like, yeah, well, it's pretty neat to think, uh, you know, our day to day and and certain certain steps of this process definitely involve that whole crew. Um, you know, I think we we really try to go through a pretty arduous process to field test all of our our prototypes and all of our design iterations before we get ready to um, take something to market. And I think those are the really unique opportunities where we get to leverage all of these incredible, um, you know, iconic people in the surf world that they'll take all of these kind of wild, wild, weird things that we're doing or prototypes that we've made and, you know, um, uh, and, and, and put them through its paces. So, you know, we're not only are we getting feedback from everybody here on campus and the design team and, and the whole crew that Mackenzie riled through, but you know, we have a really robust lineup of people in the surf world that are that are getting access to these suits before we get ready to go to market. And it's and it's it's really cool. You know, I mean, we're able to get a lot of anecdotal insight from them based upon suits they've had in the past and uh, suits we've created in the past and and how we can sort of take all that intel and, and also help drive it into the things that we're working on, you know, when we're going through some of the smaller paces uh, here on campus. Right. And I mean, it's so interesting, too, because I think the I'm sure it's not just the surfing world. It's probably like consumers everywhere. For whatever reason, over the last couple of decades, have become kind of obsessed with like company origin stories. And there's a lot <laughs> of like, I want the trade news and maybe that's just life under kind of the capitalist umbrella. Anyway, Patagonia's story, as we've talked about it, it's pretty unique and it's pretty well known, you know, with Yvonne Chouinard's story, with, with with the idea of getting into, you know, climbing and developing these um, products that make, you know, the, the lives of climbers that much better, you know, hard goods products and then the soft goods that come around it and, and the story of sustainability and in a lot of cases actually kind of foregoing you know, huge revenue gains in some cases to do what's better for the environment. And I bring all that up because I'd imagine that working on a Patagonia wetsuit launch is is a unique challenge even within the surfing world because of the principles of Patagonia that you're bringing into the process. Is that fair to say, Mackenzie, in your experience? I mean, 100%. I think you know, wetsuits in general are challenging because they're in such harsh environments with the salt and the sun and they're constantly being stretched and pulled and stepped on and peed in and not rinsed out and put in the back of cars (laughs) and forgotten about for weeks at a time. But, um, you know, 
at Patagonia specifically, like we really pride ourselves on quality and um, making products that are really that are the highest quality. And so that's definitely challenging for wetsuits because they're put through this, you know, big test of the environment. So mm. we really um, do our best to make sure that the consumer is is set up for success. And, and a lot of that comes from testing the materials. Um, Buddy kind of touched on field testing. Like we field test everything and make sure that it holds up for time before we're able to commercialize and launch the product. So um, I think just, you know, Patagonia ethos is is really the center of every product creation and, and wetsuits are really, you know, no different. Yeah. And I also like, you know, hearing Mackenzie talk about some of the changes we've made in terms of like our material package and stuff and going off, you know, Dave, your question into some of the challenges of what it might look like when you're going to say make a product at Patagonia, you know, we, we really, um, we have a thick filter for how we can source our materials, yeah. things that we can put into our, our product. Um, because, you know, they're the underlying responsibility code for how we want to go about sourcing our materials, things we can use. So real, real specific example, you know, the excitement we have for the recycled nylon that's going into this iteration of suit is a huge win. Yeah. Now we, we knew nylon is, was going to have these performance categories that would be a bit superior to say the, the, the polyester blend that we were using, but we were really working through the years of design iteration to find a recycled nylon um, supply source that could meet the standards that we, we hold ourselves to if we're going to introduce something into the wetsuit. So yes, we have to look at things through a completely different lens here at Patagonia when it, when it, when it comes down to actually product development that, you know, it, it is ingrained in our ethos. So it's a little bit of a, it, it, it's not a little bit of a challenge. It's a big challenge. Right. Um, but, but one that, you know, we hold, uh, you know, real, real close to everything, every decision that we make. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I think it's kind of a, a community challenge as well and probably has been forever in the surfing world, right? Because we all rely on a, a healthy ocean, a healthy ecosystem to actually enjoy the thing we're doing. But a lot of totally. times, whether it's, you know, wetsuits or surfboards or whatever, it's they're not always the best thing in terms of sustainable practices. And I think the conversation in the last decade across the, the surfing world's gotten a lot louder around this yeah. particular part. And, you know, we've had a lot of conversations yes. with shapers, too, where they go, well, you know, what's better? Is it to, to build... A, a more environmentally disposable high performance surfboard or to build one that is going to last much longer like what's better you know uh, a dozen of these ones or one of these ones and it, it's a real challenge and i think that probably comes over to wetsuits as well because patagonia unless i'm mistaken it's not a company that relaunches its line every year right i, I don't Correct. think yeah. you guys have an expectation that we're going to build a suit you're going to need another one next year you, you guys are really kind of working on not only the sustainability side of developing wetsuits, but the durability side of having the, the, the customer being able to use it for seasons at a time. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, like you said, we don't come out with a new wetsuit every year. Like we have no need to, we only mm. come out with a new wetsuit or any product really when there is like a, not only a need, but also when we're ready to do so and we're ready to bring it to market. So, you know, we, again, like we test everything to 
try to put it to the absolute um, extreme conditions to make sure that that it'll pass all of our standards. But um, yeah, Um, so like right now, our wetsuits just launched in fall 23. We probably won't come out with a new wetsuit until we've seen how this wetsuit performs um, in the market and then see what improvements could be made upon that in the future. But we have no need to you know, pump out a new wetsuit every season or, or every year. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, okay. and like the, the other kind of wild card to that whole sort of mindset about our gear and design iterations and when suits come out versus when we wait till we find these, you know, uh, discoveries of what we want to adjust or change or modify, but we're then offering the repair component to the wetsuit, which is like, which really doesn't exist there there yeah. there is there is not um there is not a platform that as that is as committed or engaged to keeping the gear that you have and the suit that you've already purchased going the distance longer than you know one would expect uh expect to be the case so that that also is like a game changer in terms of the mindset of of the consumer or the surfer of, about like the relationship with their product with their wetsuit and and how it can go the test of time, you know, longer than maybe one would think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, you know, we really design and develop our wetsuits to last for multiple seasons, not just one season. Like a lot of people are okay with buying a new a new suit every season. They look forward to it and 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 want that, but our suits are definitely designed in the intention to last for for many seasons, um, which I feel like is pretty unique to to our wetsuits right and Mackenzie you mentioned it you know the new this this next generation of you know Ulex regulator wetsuits is in the market like people can go to patagonia.com they can get a suit they can go to retailers and get a suit what's been the feedback that you guys have been hearing about the new suits already I mean I think the biggest feedback is that it's really hard to tell a difference between our new Ulex suits and neoprene suits I Mm. think just with the the comfort and stretch characteristics of the new suit, they're on par with um, neoprene suits in the market. I think that's been the biggest feedback is just how far Patagonia wetsuits have come as a whole from when we first launched, a, you know, a Ulex suit in 2016 to now. There's been improvements in the in the Ulex, in the materials, in the in the seam placement, the construction, everything, and and just seeing like, you know. Like you were saying earlier, people are are brand loyalists now and they like care about the origin story of the brand. So we've had people that are hardcore Patagonia users that have been with us from the beginning of Ulex to now. And I feel like their feedback has been so interesting and and hear of like all the improvements that have been made over time. So yeah. I yeah. Yeah. And and I, I think like you know, we, we can we can wholeheartedly say this is probably the biggest overhaul to our suit line in over a decade. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, 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 again, also piggybacking what we were saying earlier about the decisions that go into what a redesign looks like in that time frame. Like we make those decisions when the time is appropriate and that time had come and we and we found ourselves at this intersection and everything that we pumped into this suit is literally a culmination of, of, of a decade of learning uh, on top of you know, taking a hard right off of the neoprene uh, railroad track and and going to a completely different material in 2016. So it's like, there is a history here 
um, and to start hearing the feedback for these suits in the market and people surfing them. And we've, we've personally yeah. been in them since we got our first design samples back in the winter time. And it's, it, it's night and day. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I, I hope everyone goes and checks them out there. They are, I can't attest. Awesome. Awesome wetsuits. They're very comfortable. They're very warm. They're very durable. We're going to take a quick break to get a word in from our sponsors. And when we come back, we will dive into the backgrounds of both Buddy and Mackenzie. We'll be right back. WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at sax.com. All right, we are back. This is the lineup. We are here with Buddy Pendergast and Mackenzie Warner of Patagonia Wetsuits. You know, a, a ton of our listeners, they either work in and around surfing and, or sort of outdoor industry. A lot of them want to get into it. And, and we talked about a little bit before the break and, and Patagonia is such a unique company. But, you know, Mackenzie, maybe we'll start with you for the listeners. Can you explain uh, what your job title is and what that entails kind of on a week in, week out basis for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I am a material developer at Patagonia. So what that essentially means is that um, I'm responsible for researching, developing, and approving raw materials and materials supply chains that meet Patagonia's uh, performance, quality, environmental, and social standards. Um, so basically, I guess it's 
fiber to fabric. Um, so for wetsuits specifically, that would be developing the liner materials for the wetsuits. So picking um, like the appropriate fibers, the appropriate knit constructions, depending on the end goal of, of the product. Very cool. And and how did you get to be where you are? How long have you been at Patagonia? What did did you have to study to kind of get into this role? Where I'm I'm curious. <laughs> um, I so I've been at Patagonia for about a year and a half. Um, before that, I was doing um, wetsuit and thermoregulation research mm. at Cal State San Marcos down in San Diego. Um, so I feel like I have a a weird niche background in wetsuits. So um, I started out as uh, an undergrad. I started out as an intern doing the wetsuit research there. Um, and that kind of sparked my interest in uh, textiles and how the body interacts with different materials and that how that affects human performance. And so we did a lot of research looking at um, heat loss in surfers wearing wetsuits, so where surfers essentially get cold and um, lose the most heat, and how that would then relate to the creation of a, of a wetsuit, like a, what areas should have more thickness or, or what areas should have different materials, depending on how the body um, interacts with them. So I did that for six years prior to coming to Patagonia. So um, I did that while I studied um, exercise physiology in my undergrad degree. And then I did my master's program at Cal State San Marcos as well to be able to essentially just continue the surf research because it was fun. Um, so I got a, a master's in exercise physiology, specifically studying um, thermal comfort and perception of surfers wearing wetsuits. <laughs> so it sounds like you you had a surfing background before you went into academia. I'm yeah. curious, once you went in there, did you ever have a surf after you started studying it where you just blanked out and enjoyed your surf or were you constantly <laughs> like, oh man, like, you know, the cuffs on this could really use yeah. some improvement or something. <laughs> like, I mean, it's funny, like, yeah, anytime I surf now, I think I like my mind just thinks about, I'm like, oh, like, what if we did this in this part of the wetsuit? Like, how would right. that improve warmth or comfort? So I feel like my brain doesn't really stop when I wear a wetsuit, but it's also a great, like, you know, surfing is a great outlet for, you know, exercise and being in, enjoying nature and, and, um, but it's also a great creative environment, I guess, to think about wetsuits and um, like different little nuances to them. So I think I just kind of, I don't know, it's just, that's, I guess what my surf sessions are, unless if I'm not surfing in a wetsuit. <laughs> so so no more meditation for you, but your sacrifice is benefiting us all. So we very it's, much appreciate yeah, it's that. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and and Buddy, you've, you've been at Patagonia a little bit longer than Mackenzie, I think. What What, what is your current role and, and give us kind of the, the TikTok in terms of where you came from and how you got to your current position? Yeah. Um, before me, I, I affectionately refer to <laughs> Mackenzie as the mad scientist and all of her background, I think is, um, is, is of incredible value to everything that we do here. Um, and, and not only does her, uh, her brain bring a uh, huge attribute to all the stuff that we do, but she's got a mean, she's probably got one of the meanest front side turns, uh, <laughs> I think out of anybody on the surf team here. So we're also really proud of that. Thanks. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, for me, uh, I've been this actually October will be my eight year, uh, anniversary at Patagonia. Um, 
you know, my background uh, is is quite different from McKenzie's. Um, for myself and the company, I actually started in the retail spectrum, uh, which also I'm really proud of. I think Patagonia does an incredible job of uh, fostering a workplace, no matter where you are in the company chain or, or in the company environment, um, to sort of explore things that you're curious about and uh, apply yourself uh, in a direction of something that you're, you're motivated to, to follow. Um, I used to be in a management role for Patagonia Surf Shop in New York City on the Bowery, um, which was kind of an iconic location on the East Coast for all things surf. Um, and it was an incredible time where I kind of came into this really beautiful, unique world of all things Patagonia and, and pretty much fell in love. Uh, it was an unexpected journey and uh in the summer of 2019 i actually got to travel with the wetsuit uh repair crew on their east coast tour which was the first one that they embarked on on the east coast where we traveled from the outer banks all the way up to maine over a six-week period with stops along the way um engaging with the local surf community and offering wetsuit repairs and it was literally on that trip in those moments where I got to observe the work that goes behind the scenes into the wetsuits. Um, Cause you know, we kind of always knew about it, but it really was sort of um, the eye opening experience for me where I was like, wow, I've been surfing my entire life. Um, and I've never been exposed to this kind of quality or caliber of work or even, even care to the garment for a wetsuit, you know, I, and I think that is a part of this conversation we're having here today is, you know, like, We've been surfing for so long and I, I never I never was exposed to, to this operation or to the care and to the, to the potential of the suit. Um, and from that moment forward, it kind of springboarded me into uh, where I am now. And fast forward a few years later, I uh, even started my own repair thing in New York when I was learning everything on my own and getting my blind stitch machine and, and actually getting all of my tactile skills that I could build up. So when it was time to come out here, and join the wetsuit crew, um, I could be, you know, as up to speed as, as possible in terms of actual, you know, the physical elements that go into building our suits, repairing our suits, designing and building prototypes, you know, all of those things. It was kind of a self-taught journey. And then once I got in with the crew here, it was just like off to the races. It makes a lot of sense. And, and I mean, we, I think a lot of times, you know, young people are coming up or young people listen to the podcast or they, they, they read interviews about people in the industry and they think, oh, yeah, I want to be there right now. But they don't quite understand like, hey, it's like even those people there right now, the ones that are the most effective actually get their hands dirty every single day. You know, when I got to visit you guys in the Forge not too long ago, we had this great conversation. But everyone's just hammering away, like fixing wetsuits <laughs> at the same time. And and even your background in retail I'm sure it gave you a great perspective. I, I started at retail at in Rip Curl like right around the turn of the century and was there for years. And it you learn so much just interacting with customers about what's working, what's not working, like what's coming totally. back in through repairs that it, yes. it, it's sort of this invaluable education that at the time it can be frustrating. I'm sure. Like, hey, another thing. Yes. But down the track, yeah. you're like, I've internalized that. And I actually know how to approach this problem that might not be like a one-to-one, -one, but the things I learned there, I'm applying to this and it makes sense. And, and I think it's, it's valuable for the listeners to get that where it's like, Hey, it's good to start wherever you can. Cause whatever perspective yes. you're going to get from that experience will help down the track. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, um, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. You know, if, if you have a curiosity into something in the industry or 
or um, you know, a, a goal or, or a dream to be in a certain place where you want to be like taking any of the earliest steps in the beginning and getting your foot in the door and gaining as much knowledge and accumulating as much experiences as you can along the way is only going to elevate, you know, you as an individual for when the time comes for you to, to step into a role that, you know, you sort of dreamed about for a long time. Hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, we talked about a little bit, you know, Patagonia has a pretty clear external expression of what it is and what it stands for. But I'm curious to get both your takes on, you know, what are maybe some of the, the misconceptions that people have about the people, who, the people who work there, the kinds of people who work there, what it's like versus the reality. I'm not asking you to be negative or anything, but, <laughs> but I, I, you know, having the good fortune of living up here near Patagonia, I know a number of people that work there. They're certainly not just one type of person that works there. Yeah. Whereas I think a lot of people that are a bit removed from it think like, oh, you have to be this kind of person. You have to believe these kind of things, et cetera. Um, Mackenzie, maybe start with you. Like what's, what's been your experience in terms of just that, that, that public conception of what it's like versus the reality. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's some stereotypes like we all don't eat granola and <laughs> don't take showers. Um, but I think there's a lot, you know, a lot of people are very well aware of our, um, you know, like flexible work policy, like, you know, Yvonne Chouinard wrote about it and let my people go surfing. Um, mm. That's definitely true of Patagonia. Like if the surf's good, you can stop what you're doing and, and go surfing. Or if you like, if the temps are good to go climbing, like you go climbing or if it's a powder day, like you go do that. So there's a lot of flexibility, um, in the work schedule. I think that's definitely something that's been there since the start of Patagonia and continues, um, as Patagonia progresses. Um, and then as far as the people go, I think Pat people are drawn to Patagonia for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, we're not all surfers, climbers and snowboarders. Like there's a, a lot of people that are drawn to Patagonia for, um, you know, to help with social impact or people are drawn mm. to Patagonia because they want to, you know, make a difference in, in certain ways. It's just not all, um, you know, we're, we're all drawn for different reasons, I guess. Totally. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I won't read the whole quote, but around this time last year, you know, Patagonia founder Yvonne Chouinard wrote this very famous letter talking about, you know, 100% of the company's voting stock transferring to the Patagonia Purpose Trust, which was created to protect the company's values. 100% of the non-voting stocks given to the Holdfast Collective, which is nonprofit to fighting the environmental crisis and defending nature is such a, and I won't go on, but everyone can kind of Google and read the letter from themselves. But it really was a moment that not only arrested the outdoor industry, but kind of industries everywhere. This was a, a letter that was covered in, in all industries and in all countries everywhere. And it really set a marker um, that was consistent with kind of the values that the company is, is, has worked through over the course of its history. And I, I'm not asking you to comment on like how real that feels every day for you, both challenges and positives, but it does feel that authenticity is like a dirty word that gets thrown around and probably misused <laughs> quite a lot. It really does feel that the people who work there and the programs that come out of it and the products that come out of it do anchor to a very, very real and genuine belief in what it's doing. Is that fair to say, buddy? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, 
the the history of Patagonia is 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 deep and and long um and I think you know getting to call this place home for work um feels really special and and you know going on the whole authenticity thing and um the consumer market and there's there's a lot out there to sort of digest and take in but i i I personally have really never been a a part of anything where not only is you know we talk the talk but walk the walk and i and i think the commitment that the company as a whole and obviously you know that yvonne set out um is is something that like no one can really shake a stick at and um that makes you motivated you know it inspires you to kind of show up and and put your best foot forward and I think, like Mackenzie said earlier too, you know, the, the lore of all the things happen here draw in a tremendous amount of people with a tremendous amount of backgrounds um, that are inspired to be a part of something that actually has a legitimate opportunity to to, to make some serious change for the good. Mm. Um, so you know, it it's cool. It's a special world to be in, and, and one that I, I don't think we take for granted. And as we continue to see the company evolve, and we continue to see the grow, the goals get loftier, and and the commitment that was set forth, you know, at the 50th anniversary last year, I think it's a really exciting time for the company as a whole. Um, and you know, the sky's the limit. I kind of use that saying a, a lot sometimes, but. Um, when you feel that you're part of something as special as this, it, it, it kind of feels true. It, it's a company that, that produces products for so many different disciplines, you know, surfing, kite surfing, fly fishing, trail running, climbing, mountain biking, snow, like, and, and, and so many things. How much interaction do you guys have between, you know, what you do and, and kind of those other disciplines, both from just an interaction standpoint and like an activity standpoint, your personal lives, you get to kind of interact with people who do different things and maybe you get to learn how to do different things too. But also just from a product standpoint, I'm sure that there are things that happen in the climbing um, uh, division or, or whatever it's called that, that you can apply to surfing and vice versa. Mackenzie, how, how much kind of interaction and collaboration do you have personally and professionally across, across the building there? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I've surfed my whole life since I was four years old. Um, I've been climbing for maybe five or so years and, and snowboard. So I feel like I have a, a pretty good, you know, relationship with all of those and understanding of those sports as a whole, which I think really helps with creating a product for those different mm. categories. Um, understanding the needs that each product would, would um, need to like good attributes for each product product. Um, I, so in material development, um, we work with all kinds of cross-functional teams. So we develop materials. Um, there's maybe 10 of us and we all work on different categories, but we work with, um, you know, the Alpine team, the mountain bike team, the surf team and develop materials for all these different categories. So, um, each, uh, you know, of course, each specific, category has core products that are needed for that. So like for alpinism is going to be very different um, to a product needed for like casual, you know, a casual day bouldering. So um, I feel like we do a really good job of having those core products that, that, you know, fit a really specific need for the community. So that would be like wetsuits for surfing or like an alpine suit for climbing. And then we just came out with this, I think it's called the big, water foul weather suit yeah Yeah, yeah. that we just um that was probably i didn't work on that 
project, but that was a big collaboration between the surf team, the alpine team, um, and the fishing team to create this um, like beautiful kit meant for open water um, sailing. So they mm. took inspiration from like cuffs used on wetsuits and then took inspiration from waterproof breathables used for alpine climbing. So I feel like there's a lot of cross collaboration in, in general um, at Patagonia and especially a, across different product categories like that too. Which, yeah. which category is the biggest pain in the ass for you, Mackenzie, to work on? We can bleep it out. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. I think there's, I mean, they're all, you know, all the categories are fun. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> how, how diplomatic. In their own ways. Yeah. But... Mackenzie's too nice. <laughs> yeah, go on, buddy. You can name names. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, all right. Well, I mean... I'll, I'll close up this segment. We could probably talk for hours just on this particular topic, but we want to get to the next one. You know, buddy, for for people that want to kind of, and I know no path is going to be exactly the same, but if, if a young person was in school right now and they're like, I really want to do what you do, I really want to do what Mackenzie does, how what would you recommend they do? Like just to get their start or to get their experience or to make a contact with the company? Like what would be your recommendation? Um. That's a, that's a really good question. You know, um, I think, uh, one of the things I actually, this made me think of, of a snowboarding podcast that I would, I would listen to. And I've listened to all like kind of my heroes in the, in that world and how they started their companies or how they got to where they were and, um, the journey that took them there. And, and I think one of the biggest takeaways that I, that I, I pulled from one episode one time is like, reach out to people that are doing the things that you want to do. Mm. Um, I feel like in today's day and age, one of the greatest tools that we have is accessibility to so many different people. So if you have a path that you're curious about, or if you have, uh, you know, a, a particular world of, of um, excitement that speaks to you, if it's in the industry, if it's in the outdoor industry, like there, are, there are so many resources out there for you to tap into especially for uh, the world we live in right now. And, and don't be afraid to reach out and ask and don't be afraid to ask questions about how people got there and, you know, to, to look maybe to somebody for a mentorship or, or whatever it may be to help guide you along the way. You know, you don't have to feel like you have to do it all on your own. Um, and I think, you know, for me, that was, from my personal experience, there were, I've, I've learned everything from somebody else, you know, like everybody's taught me something along the way. And that journey still continues of learning. Um, so, you know, when you're kind of going through those phases of figuring some of that stuff out for yourself, maybe when you're a bit younger, reach out to people that are doing the thing that gets you excited um, and see how you can foster a relationship and, and, and learn from them. Very cool. Mackenzie, anything to add on that for, for listeners looking to kind of pursue similar avenues of employment? Yeah, I mean, I think just finding something that you're passionate about to begin with is a, is a good start and then figure out how you can, you know, make that passion part of your work. And I think that will allow you to have a lot of longevity in, in your career. Um, and then it makes you want to, you know, you're a part of whatever you're working and passionate about, like for, for Buddy and I, for wetsuits, like we, I feel like that's a really weird thing to be passionate about, but we are very passionate about about wetsuits that allows us to, you know, 
push the envelope with innovation and make a more durable product that's going to have less environmental impact. And like part of our job is we get to go surfing and test wetsuits and talk about wetsuits. And it's something that is kind of the center of, of our work and it's, it's super fun. So I think just starting with finding what you're passionate about and maybe, you know, what niche that you can kind of put yourself in to, to make yourself stand out in, in the industry too. Yeah. Very cool. Well, we're going to take uh, one more break to get a word in from our sponsors and we will finish up right when we get back. Hey, I hear you think podcasts are all about true crime, huh? Well, wise guy, the iHeartRadio app's got all kinds of podcasts. We got stuff you should know and stuff they don't want you to know. We got Bobby Bones, Big Boy, and Lou Later. We got SpongeBob Binge Pants and Exotic Erotic Storytime. We got Doughboys, Two Dudes in a Kitchen, Green Eggs and Dan. Hey, we got ElfQuest. We got podcasts for everything on the iHeartRadio app for free. If you don't download that, well, that's not just a true crime, my friend. That's criminal. Manduka was founded in 1997 with the simple idea that a better yoga mat could make a world of difference. For generations, Manduka has revolutionized the yoga space by providing purposely crafted products that enable a more joyful practice, whatever that looks like for you. The collaboration between Manduka and Jerry Lopez honors Jerry's profound dedication to both surfing and yoga disciplines. The limited edition collection showcases Jerry's signature camouflage print inspired by his surfboards. It fuses his iconic surf style with Manduka's commitment to quality and sustainability, offering everyone a unique expression of their practice. We all know that having the right gear is essential and a yoga mat is no different. Feel the benefits of yoga with Manduka's soulfully engineered, eco-friendly products designed to inspire your practice wherever you go. The Manduka and Jerry Lopez collection want to inspire you to practice yoga however you choose to. And from now until June 10th, you will get 15% off of all products when you visit manduka.com with the code THELINEUP15. That's manduka.com, code THELINEUP1515. All right, we're back. This is the lineup. I'm Dave Prodan here with Buddy Pendergast and Mackenzie Warner from Patagonia Wetsuits. Guys, thank you so much for the conversation today. You know, one of the things that we've talked about, and it's been primarily focused inside the Patagonia company and its ethos and the products that get developed out of that, but you know, it is that tension in the outdoor market and specifically the surfing world between I want to be a surfer, I want to have the best equipment, whether it's a surfboard or a wetsuit or board shorts or whatever, but then the environmental component is so integral to me actually enjoying the thing I want to do. And the surfing industry has not had a great history with producing products that are great for the environment, but that conversation's been getting really loud. I actually believe there's a, a documentary that's coming out called The Big Sea, and you know Paul Evans at Stab Magazine wrote about it, and it was just the link between neoprene uh, manufacturing and uh, cancer, uh, the cancer it causes in the communities where it's made. And that's one of a dozen different examples that are out there right now, but it does feel like the conversation that Patagonia has been driving through its product uh, manufacturing, even seeing Ulex kind of turn up in different 
company's wetsuits as well. Do you guys have conversations with other sort of product producers in the industry about best practices, best materials, et cetera, or is it all pretty siloed? Do you want to take Alex and start? <laughs> I mean, um, well, I, we've never kept anything a secret. Exactly. Like that, yeah. That's the first, the, the, <laughs> if there's like a gangbuster to that question, um, you know, all of the things that Patagonia has set forward in terms of its product development to put the environment first in terms of all the decisions that go into how we do what we do, it's, it's never a secret. Yeah. So for us specifically here at Wetsuits, there's been a tremendous amount of, of collaboration. Hub Hubbard, who is, you know, the wetsuit guru here at Patagonia, um, and, and basically also was the one who took that very big first step in the direction of natural rubber alternatives, um, has been explicit about getting this information out to other wetsuit manufacturers at large. That way the conversation can continue to change in a direction where we can find alternative production methods, material methods that fit other business models for other wetsuit manufacturers but that there can be a real conversation about how we can better the things that we're creating. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, to piggyback on that too, um, I just firstly just, I think the stab article was amazing that they wrote on the big C and I know mm. they started it as a, a stab premium and then they released it um, to everyone, which yeah. I thought was really cool because it's such a important um, topic and the big C um, it's amazing that it's being made by these independent filmmakers that have no funding from the industry and just want to tell the story of, of the harmful effects of chloroprene wetsuit production. Um, so I just think that's, you know, really important that, that that's being made and is being talked about. Um, it's been no secret in the surf industry that chloroprene rubber is is bad um and the fact that this is becoming more mainstream knowledge is is great um and then patagonia you know made the choice in 2016 to move to ulex uh, and one of the things and you know hub was a big part of that and one of the things when implementing ulex is that they patagonia didn't want to keep the technology for themselves like we're in relative to wetsuit production, we are very, very small percentage within the industry as a whole. So by just us switching to Ulex is, is amazing and great, but to have the industry switch to Ulex would have a huge, way bigger impact. And so when we adopted Ulex, we made that technology available for everyone. Like we could have kept it and not shared it, but um, allowing any wetsuit manufacturer to use that and and whether or not that's that's their choice is up to them but it's available for all wetsuit makers to to use and we have seen more companies adopt it like um need essentials sia i think mm. billabong uses it um so it's it's Finister. really yeah finister yeah. yeah there's a lot of smaller brands that have been using ulex um in their in their wetsuits which is great to see yeah and I think that's okay. like also, I think I just like, you know, that, that, that is sort of like a nod of the cap interpreting a nod of the cap to Patagonia as a whole. I mean, like Mackenzie said, we, you know, we're, we're, we're a relatively small operation for uh, wetsuit production in, in the surf industry at large, but, you know, in true form to the company's philosophies um and hub setting out on the initiative uh you know back in 2014 the 16 era of, of saying 
yeah, we're this small operation, but we want to be the ones to, and, and we also have the opportunity to be the ones yeah. to kind of step out on this experimental leg to, to, to find this alternative um, material and yeah, run through a lot of hurdles and a lot of bumps in the road that we experienced when we took such a drastic change in terms of how we wanted to make our wetsuits. And part of that also was inherently knowing that if we could be the ones to make some of those big changes and take some of those hits on the chin, the, you know, the end all goal is for the entire surf industry to have the opportunity to make some of these changes. So yeah. like, there's a lot of power in that too, um, that I think is, is a big component to the story of like, why we do the things that we do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot more, I think as, you know, consumers are becoming more aware of the materials used in products and becoming more aware of the supply chain and, and becoming more aware of the environmental impact, I think it will be really consumers driving companies to choose to move to ULEX. And I think that's mm. really going to move the industry is, is more um, consumer demand for that too. It's such totally. an, and I know we talked about it a couple of times too. It's just, it's such an interesting tightrope to walk in a way, because as we said, you guys are changing the materials and the supply chain and the sustainability components in developing the actual products. You're also building products that are intended to last longer. So the consumer doesn't need to buy them every year, um, which isn't always the case. Um, but again, kind of under the the banner of capitalism, it's it's that tightrope you got to walk, where it's like, well, yeah, we want to we, we want to thrive as a company, but that doesn't mean mass consumption at all times. And I think you know we talked about this when I went by the forge the other day, and just speaking as a consumer of one person, like sometimes it's so nice to simplify your life, where I'm like, I have one wetsuit, I have one surfboard, I just enjoy those things for as long as they last. And you know, I've even talked to surfers on tour that sometimes just get paralyzed by choice where it's like, I got 15 boards. I don't know which one to ride. And it's like, you don't need that, you know, or whatever it is. And I just think that's an interesting kind of shift you're seeing across the board and people going, yeah, I want better made things. I also need less of them over the, over the timeline, which is uh, both things are better for the environment. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, and, and I, you know, I think that's just a, a continuing shift in the paradigm of, of what it is to be a consumer yeah. in today's market at all. I mean, the disposability factor of anything out there in the world or any good or any product, I think, is grown to an alarming rate. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we as a society are trying to be a little bit more cautious or a little bit more careful about some of the decisions that we make and the things that we buy or the things that we need to do the things that we do. Um, and if we can play a role in that uh, in, in terms of making more of a conscientious decision behind uh, whatever it is that you need to have to do the things that you want to do, mm. i.e. if it happens to be a wetsuit uh, for surfing, then we want to give you all of the knowledge and all of the education to make the best decision possible and then also give you resources to make that, that product go as long as it can go. Right. And everybody should kind of, we, we, should, we should all try to f find that sweet spot. It's like the analogy you put of a tightrope is is really accurate and it it's not easy we're not claiming it's an it's an easy mm -hmm. thing to do there's a lot of factors that go into you know decision making when purchasing goods and all of those things that we're completely like aware of um but i think it's like just just if we can make a collective shift in the right direction like you know then 
the goods over time will only outweigh the negatives. Um, and I, and I think we're, we're, we're really starting to see that now. Right. So Mackenzie, the, the, as we said, the next generation of Ulex regulator wetsuits is out in the market. It is a top tier wetsuit, as we've discussed on the podcast, uh, podcast guaranteed to last for a hundred years. So, so you've got some time <laughs> on your hands, but no, in, in all seriousness, what does the rest of your 2023 and 2024 look like for your role, uh, Mackenzie, now that this launches out, what's next for you? And I'm not just talking about the surfing space, just, just kind of in your job for the next 18 months. Yeah. I mean, we work, um, we launch products at Patagonia twice a year. So we launch them in the fall and in the spring, I guess, is what that season would be. Um, so we're, our material development calendar is constantly moving. Um, so even though wetsuits, the next iteration of wetsuits might not come out for a few years, I'm already doing research and um, trialing different developments for those next suits. Mm. Um, so that's kind of the case with with all developments. We are unique in the fact that we work, I don't know, three years in the future here. So mm. I always have a hard time getting straight what year it is, what season <laughs> we're launching, what development season I'm working in. So Right now, I'm working on products that might not launch until 2027 or 2028 um, because it takes us a long time to vet materials and test materials and test product before mm. we're comfortable with, with launching them. So I guess the next 18 months, um, I would be working towards developing materials for sometime in the next three to, to five years. Mm. Um, so I'm working on our next wetsuits. I'm working on some um, like technical knits, so some tank tops, um, leggings, and then working on some some swimwear stuff as well. It's good job security in that, right? Where you're like, hey, it's. I mean, my stuff's not coming out till 2027. I'll go yeah. keep me around. No, I get yeah. it. <laughs> I get it. And, and yeah, buddy, we we had that cool story about how this generation of Ulex regulator suits came out from. Basically, that time in the pandemic when everyone was working in the forge together, so many people were surfing because, you know, no one was going to the office or going into school. You couldn't get new stuff. So things were coming back for repair. And you and your team were kind of collating the data on like these things need improvement. Those things need improvement and, and, and develop this line of wetsuits, which is fantastic. But when you're looking at the next 18 months now that, that this lines out in the market, what does it look like for you in your position? Totally. I mean, I think, um, you know, the, the next leg of this journey will probably be, you know, it's kind of a strange, we're excited to see the feedback on this suit. Mm. Um, and, and to see, uh, where, and if there are, are any other hangups. Um, I mean, undoubtedly when you're creating a product such as a wetsuit, like the, the learning curve doesn't just stop or plateau. It, it's a forever journey. Um, so, you know, for us, I think when we have a lot of these suits that are now, you know, hitting the market and being surfed, we're looking forward to the feedback phase. Mm -hmm. um, then we can take all of that, you know, learning 2.0 from where we are and then working with, uh, working with the rest of the, the wet suit team, you know, working with designer Garrett and developer Andrew and Hub and McKenzie and everybody that sort of like pools all of their knowledge to continue the evolution of the suit. Um, you know, for, so, so it'll, it'll be exciting. And I, you know, I'd be inclined to think that we'll see less of our suits coming through for repair because of the changes that we've made along, uh, along this design iteration. 
like you said, um, the, the, the years over the pandemic, our, our wetsuit repair facility jumped up 200% in repairs. Um, we had 5,000 wetsuits come through our door in like a 24 month period, um, of which, you know, we've, we fixed, uh, over 4,000 of those suits. We were at like a 90% repair rate, which we're really proud of. And we worked our ass off to make that possible for the surf community. Um, so yeah, this next phase, hopefully it doesn't look as daunting as that particular time <laughs> period for us as a whole. Um, but we're excited to get the feedback for the suit and then to be able to, um, build on that and, and, and be prepared for, for, for the next round, um, which is cool. And, you know, we're, we're still also experimenting in, in the wetsuit forge and Mackenzie will come down with different material packages and we'll make Frankenstein suits. And I think that's the beauty of what we do here. Also, we don't have to farm that work out to our production facility. So we build all of our prototypes on site. We can do weird zipper entries and play with different materials. And you know, that that's always a constant. That's always sort of a baseline here. The product innovation never stops. Um, so for us in, in the wetsuit forge, we're just ready to keep tinkering. I love it. Well, you guys should be proud of yourselves. You got a successful product launch. It's autumn. We should be getting waves in town. Like you should get to go surfing. Yes. That was my two cents. So, um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, look, I really appreciate you spending all this time talking to me about it. It's just really interesting, and and the product is fantastic. We did put out a feeler uh, to some of our listeners that have questions for you. We got a lot back. Um, we uh, <laughs> we've whittled them down to three. So thanks to everyone that wrote in at the lineup pod, and uh, yeah, I'll just tackle these for you guys. Uh, maybe we'll start with uh mckenzie first question is from at man backwards uh who asks why is blind stitching and glued seams better for wetsuits oh i feel like we could both answer this question yeah feel free to tag uh, from team different, it, yeah, different yeah. Perspectives from different perspectives too. yeah um so all of our suits are triple glued and blind stitched so that means they take the glue uh and put it over three times on the material put the panels together and then blind stitch over that. So for, and there would be no power, then we wouldn't add a power seam on top of that. So um, a couple different benefits just from like a construction standpoint is that not having a power seam there and only doing the blind stitch over the glue allows for more stretch at the panels. And mm. so you get, you don't get as much tension there. So they won't kind of like, rip as easily um and two i think from like a repairability standpoint buddy i don't know if yep. you want to take that one but you're yeah. there you're, uh -huh. both, you're, 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 you're there um yeah from a repairability standpoint you know the the liquid power seam covers the entire seam placement of a wetsuit um and for us here you know what another component we're excited about this redesign is our suits going to to the blind stitch um we don't have to heat up and remove the power mm -hmm. seam and then lay down a blind stitch over the area that has seen failure from uv exposure and cracking you know you've all seen a liquid power tape seam on the outside that have split and cracked they all do it mm. um so you know for us now to be able to just work with a a a, a stitch system is uh light years um light years improved in terms of turnaround time um and that's a win for everybody because suits are coming in, they're getting fixed and they're going out faster. Yeah. 
And then two, I guess just also from the environmental standpoint, too, of not having a power seam and the environmental impact of adding that and then the environmental impact of it actually just flaking off and just kind of being useless at this point, um, I think is is a big win, too. And I don't know if how familiar people are with the blind stitch. And, buddy, you would, again, probably be the one to explain this best. But it goes when you stitch a blind stitch, it goes through just part of the material. So like the top third of the wetsuit panel so it doesn't actually penetrate all the way through so you don't get water leakage through Mm -hmm. the suit it just stays in the top part and kind of is an extra hold um, to the glue but the glue itself is extremely um, sticky and solid and the blind stitch just kind of reinforces that 100 percent. yep great answer uh next question is from at Ben underscore Pereira, who starts with Buddy is the man. <laughs> and then asks, what's the worst thing for your suit? Sun, sunscreen, or THC in the urine? This is very specific. <laughs> this is a very specific question. Very specific I want to hear the answer, though. I'm interested. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a really good question. Um, as much as I would like to say some funny things, it, 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 it's, uh, I think... I think ultimately the, the, the big, the big suit killer is really the sun, mm-hmm. um, UV exposure to the material compound. And that, that really also lands in, in McKenzie's world in terms mm-hmm. of trying to elevate material performance of, um, wetsuits. I mean, we're in the sun all the time when we surf wearing the suit, we take the suit off and when we dry it, we want to get it dry before a second <laughs> session. We dry it in the sun, even though we know we should be drying it in the shade and so forth and so forth. Um, so the sun kind of kind of takes the cake for me in terms of really beating up a suit. So I I, I can't um, express how important <laughs> it is when you're drying your wetsuit to really dry it by the waist in the shade. Don't let it hang by the shoulders, um, and giving your suit a fresh rinse. Salt water is in it, salt is in, <laughs> insanely corrosive. I mean, look at any vehicle on the East Coast that's over ten years old that's driven through the winters. Like it's rusted out. You know, salt destroys everything. And even though it might not be initial, the cues might not be initially visible, um, the, the, the buildup of that salt in the suit is going to break down that glue bond between the panels. It's going to break down the material in it. I mean, every wetsuit goes through that, through that phase of, of breakdown. And, and if you want to, if you want to prolong the suit's life, it's, it's keeping it freshly rinsed and, and keeping it out of the sun as much as possible. And the THCP, like, I don't know, the jury's still out on that. <laughs> it's getting a pass for right now. I think the majority yeah. of our listeners are listening to this and, and as they're looking at their wetsuit in the sun right now and going like, oh, all right. Yeah, right, right, right. we're all guilty of it, like, yeah. included. Um, but like, man, it will go a long way if you can really just try your hardest to mitigate that exposure. Absolutely. Love, love it. Uh, last question that we, we've culled from the herd here is from at daniel.fly.mel. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll target uh, Mackenzie for this one who asks, <laughs> what's the best preventative maintenance to get the most out of your wetsuit? I think like we just kind of answered it, but, but maybe there's some other tips that you have for people. Yeah, I think um, first and foremost, rinsing it out when you're done using it would be a minimum. Um, salt water is, you know, like Buddy said, super corrosive. Um, and you want to rinse that off to allow the wetsuit to last longer. Um, I Drying your wetsuit in the shade uh, is a big one. Um, 
let me think. You know what's you know what's really cool that I always that was a was a little learning experience for me in terms of jumping into wetsuit world. Zipper corrosion is something oh, yeah. that happens at at a, at any extent of time. Um, there's like a, a gear aid runs this like zipper lubricant that keeps you know whether it's the plastic <laughs> components or some of the metal components that are in your zipper slider and the teeth of your zipper ladder um, where they can get super dehydrated from the salt and the sun. And it's like, it looks like a chapstick and you can put it on your suit periodically, you know, depending upon how frequently you're in the water, but that alone will like let your zipper go the test of time. I mean, we've all been there where you have this incredible suit and the zipper fails and you're like, shit out of luck. Um, so that's a small little tidbit that, you know, we hear the sun and this and that, but keep your zipper going. It, it's literally a chapstick zipper lubricant that will like extend the life of, 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 of the zipper on your wetsuit. Like that yeah. was a huge win. Yeah. I think another one too, is that, you know, they make like solutions to, to wash your wetsuit in, but you can pretty much just do the same with diluted vinegar water. So if your wetsuit starts getting a stink to it, that means there's probably bacteria eating away at all the materials and things. So you'll want to soak it in a vinegar, like a diluted vinegar solution um, that'll help kind of kill the bacteria and make your wetsuit not smell like a dead animal, Um, (laughs) which is, you know, nice when you leave it in the back of your car. But um, (laughs) yeah, I think just like the more you can do to prevent damage to the suit obviously will allow it to last longer and then you'll have to buy less wetsuits and there'll be less environmental impact and you'll be totally. warmer and yeah happier. not not <laughs> smelling like a dead animal has no. advantages no. Sorry, to, bit, to being in the, like, to being in the ocean too yeah, yeah. you want to be left alone i'm all for it yeah that really <laughs> yeah. really smell bad and i haven't quite yeah. figured out a way to get the smell out of those yets yeah Maybe that's the next 18 months. You're like, you know what? I've got yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, find yeah, a solution yeah. to make wetsuits not stinky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like it. Well, thanks to everyone who wrote in for at the lineup pod. We are now down to our final segment. This is the lightning round. So these are 10 questions for you to answer as quickly as you can. Um, just for organizational purposes, I'll ask the question, then maybe Mackenzie, you answer, then Buddy, and we'll just go through the 10 that way. Oof. Okay. okay. All right. I'm ready. <laughs> First question. If you personally could have one board set up for the rest of your life, a single fin, twin fin, thruster, quad bonzer, or finless, which would you choose? Twin fins all day. Buddy? Twin. Okay, good. Twin. We're in sync so far. Uh, Mackenzie, coffee or tea? Coffee. Ginger tea. Mm. Burrito. Oh, ginger tea. Uh, this is the speed's good. The speed's really good. You guys yeah. are doing great. Yeah. Uh, burrito or pizza? Burrito. Sure. I'm, from New- I'm from New York. Pizza. Mm. Okay. Uh, last book you read? Uh, I read uh, Barbarian Days. <laughs> Good one. Mm. Uh, the Road. Mm. Colin McCarthy. Yeah. Best surf film ever. Oh. Oh, man. Oh, no. This is going to take. I mean, Kelly Slater in black and white is great. Uh, trilogy was always afraid of a favorite of mine with Andy Irons, Taj, mm-hmm. and who was the mm-hmm. third one? Parko. Yeah, yeah, that's a great yeah, one. Yeah, that was always a favorite. Um, Those are good answers. Football. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go football from a ball. Oh man, that's a great one. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's come up a, yet. Great one. Deep pool. A little bit of a, a little bit of an under, a little bit of a deep cut. But, I like um, 
yeah, that really used to get me fired up when I was younger to surf. Excellent. Uh, One wave you never have to go back to. Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't really have one. I enjoy every wave. That's fair. That's That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I feel like I love them all. You know, there might be some that weren't my favorite, but every wave teaches you something. That sounds pretty, pretty corny, but I'll stick with it. That's fair. That the the answer is either land right in that space or someone has one at the ready. They're like this place. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's definitive. Yeah. Okay. This one's a little more fun. And you could dream cast this scenario. If you only get to surf one wave for the rest of your life, which would it be? Uh, I mean, any right hand point break, but is it crowded? Like, what are no, the no, no, no? You dream, you just your friends, just yourself, a billion people, oh. whatever you want. Dreamcast. Oh man, it's got to be. I want to hear a named wave though. You got to give me some. One. Yeah, we can't. There's a couple maybe I'm not allowed to say on the. Uh-huh. Podcast. That's fair. We can bleep them out and make everyone frustrated. That's good. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Um. That is such a hard decision. It has to have a barrel section. It has to have a long wall. I don't know, J Bay maybe? I've never been there, but that sounds like a yeah. good wave. That would satisfy. Forever. That works. That yeah. works. <laughs> okay. I mean, how, but how could we also not just throw Rincon in I know, Rincon's I mean, right I, here. Yeah. I mean, if you're saying that I get to surf this wave with my friends and there's no one there, Rincon. I'm yeah. I'm gonna have to go with that. There, there, we got a we got a few little quote unquote secret spots that pick up some Norswell below Ventura. <laughs> um, that 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 we will name nameless. <laughs> That's fair, but you are allowed to. You get to surf Rincon now by yourself as right, a function I'll of coming choose, on the lineup yeah, podcast. Like Rincon, so you're good to go. Good Just yeah. let them know. Yeah, you're like I, I was think, on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> they said it was cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Uh, best person to share a lineup with. Oh, I don't know. Your friends, Buddy. Buddy is a great person to share a lineup with. He is like oh, the no. most positive person I have ever surfed oh, with. He's boy. so encouraging and hilarious, and it's just a good day. Well, the pressure's yeah. on you now, Buddy, to reciprocate or <laughs> yeah. not. Yeah. yeah. Don't reciprocate. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Sure. Was, I don't know. Yeah. Any of your, I mean, any day, any day in the water with, with your friends is, uh, yeah. is a win. You know, when you got the crew to get – some people – I mean, for me, uh, I prefer surfing with people and my friends. Um, some people really like to have it be this sort of solo mission where that's their uh, outlet. But for me, I want noise. I want a little ruckus. I want some hooting and hollering. So, like, when I'm with the crew, like, I think that's that's when I thrive. Um, maybe shout out Jeff Meyer, my longtime surf buddy from New York forever. He might be he might be my favorite person to surf with. There we go. Uh, two more questions. Uh, wor- okay. worst person to share a lineup with and Oof. you're permitted to use a straw person just to describe them if you don't want to name names oh i don't know like anyone that just paddles out to a wave they've never surfed before paddles to the peak like top of the lineup just back paddles the shit out of everyone every single wave and just has no regard for for yeah. others there. And then falls on every wave and <laughs> mm. can't make the section from the peak, mm. but continues to do it every wave. They seem to I be really the repeat like offenders every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's always that repeat offender. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think just like the, the, the uh, anybody that's just not out there respecting the people around them, yeah. you know, um, surfing's a, a really special thing. And I think sometimes we take it a little too seriously 
And uh, if we just go back to the roots of having fun and making sure that the people around you are having fun, I think it's a win for everybody. So the people, the to the guys or the gals that are just grumpy out there, you know, I'm kind of over that. <laughs> yeah. Good answers. Uh, last yeah. one for you both. <laughs> uh, finish this sentence. Uh, I will next achieve a state of happiness by. Ooh. I mean, constantly finding passion and purpose in everyday life. I don't know. That's a great <laughs> answer. Good one. Buddy. Wow, Mackenzie. Jeez, that was like a good one. Um, yeah, I think I think like in 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 like a same kind of corny way. Uh, it feels good to be able to work and and do things that are true to you. Um, and I always try to to do that like each step of the way. So. Just stay the course. Yeah. Great. Well, Buddy Pendergast and Mackenzie Warner, thank you so much for coming on the lineup. Everyone, check out the new Ulex Regulator Series of Wetsuits. It is well worth your time. And yeah, thank you so much, guys. I think this has been really uh, insightful for, for a lot of topics for us. Yeah, thanks so cool. much, Dave, for having us on here. This has been super fun. And and yeah, thanks to everyone for, for listening and about wetsuits. <laughs> Yeah, agreed. It's been it's been a blast and hopefully uh we learn some cool things and and see you in the water. So that's it. That's the lineups conversation with Patagonia's Mackenzie Warner and Buddy Pendergast. I hope you enjoyed it. You can check out the new generation of Ulex regulator wetsuits at patagonia.com or ask your local surf shop about them. The penultimate stop on the 2023 WSL Challenger Series, the EDP Visla Aracera Pro, is happening this week in Portugal and is streaming live at worldsurfleague.com and the WSL app. Do not miss it. Today's episode is executive produced by Jed Pearson, Tim Greenberg, and myself, produced by Miguel Clemente, with art direction by Jason Penning, and copywriting by Dan Willen. Thanks to them and thanks to our sponsors. We appreciate their support. The lineup acknowledges that it is recorded and produced on the ancestral lands of the Chumash and the Kumeyaay native people. I hope you safely get some waves wherever you are, and we'll see you next Tuesday. WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, 
and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup. 